welcome to A Broad's Way Through Broadway. I'm your host, The Broad, Allison Chickerell, and today we are discussing Wicked the Musical. And here to join me is actress, singer, vocal director, writer, a whole bunch of stuff, and my good friend, Lindsay Willicombe. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Allison. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Talk about Wicked. So this is going to be fun. This is going to be the first episode where we are discussing a show that uh, that I nor my co-host have actually uh, been in or been on the production team for. So we're going to be chatting a whole lot about um, the Broadway production, some fun facts about the cast and other things about this all amazing musical. Um, to start us off, for those of you who are not familiar, get familiar, I always say that because we're not talking about any shows that I don't like here. So I like it. <laughs> so you should listen to it or go see it when, you know, theater is, you know, not in a coma from a pandemic. Uh, Wicked debuted here in 2003 was its Broadway debut. Amazing cast, including Adina Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth, Norbert Leo Butts, Joel Gray. Uh, Joel Gray, love him. Uh, and amazing other people. Uh, th- that cast was unreal. Um, it was uh, music and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz, um, who is uh, uh, an amazing person, also uh, responsible for po- the Pocahontas lyrics, Hunchback and Notre Dame lyrics, as well as um, Pippin and uh, I think uh, Enchanted, the movie, was also. Um, and also Godspell. Also Godspell, thank you. I knew I was, mm-hmm. I knew I was missing one of his other big ones. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, normally we would discuss some rewards well here's the fun thing about wicked it has been nominated and won so many awards that it has its own wikipedia page just for wicked awards <laughs> as i was doing some of my research to just get my notes here in order i found that usually um wikipedia is my source i'm embarrassed to say but wikipedia is my source uh usually there is a section on the musicals page itself where it's just a section of awards this one there is a whole other page you have to go to because there are just so many <laughs> awards so just mentioning a few there was a uh, tony award won by adina menzel for best actress in a musical um best scenic design uh by eugene lee i think there was also a costume design uh winner in there uh among a zillion other <laughs> awards, drama desk awards and Tonys, et cetera, et cetera, for this amazing musical. Um, Lindsay and I were chatting earlier, and I think she even said, it's it's no wonder Stephen Schwartz hasn't done a whole lot of stuff since Wicked. This is a hard show for him to top, <laughs> for sure. So, um, <laughs> so like I said, uh, you know, background and our relation to the show, we, we won't have a whole lot to share about, you know, our involvement with it since uh, this show is not available for schools, uh, local theaters, or even um, uh, semi-professional theaters to produce uh, right now. So we haven't worked on the show directly, um, but obviously we have a strong connection to the show since we picked it to talk about. Um, so Lindsay, tell me a little bit about uh, about your relationship to Wicked. How were you introduced to this show? What were your first thoughts on it? Um, I was first introduced to the show um, in high school. I think my senior year of high school, the Broadway company went to go see it on Broadway. I unfortunately didn't uh, was not part of that, so I didn't get to go or anything. But I'd heard um, kind of whispers about how awesome it was. And I mean, granted, this was in like the early 2000s, so <laughs> like it wasn't 
uh, quite as easy to access, say, like, this was in, like, the very beginnings of, like, iTunes and stuff like that, so it wasn't quite <laughs> as easy to access, uh, uh, like, uh, original cast recordings and stuff like that like it is now. There was no YouTube, like, little YouTube had literally not been invented yet, and, um... Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I know, right? That. Like, we're old, Life man. Life YouTube! <laughs> but, um... But yeah, so I actually, the first time I ever heard a song from Wicked was at, um, I think like a graduation party and some of the yeah. high schoolers. Was um, it for good? It was absolutely for good. Oh, <laughs> they say I that duet. That? I don't know. It's just, a, <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, and uh, I really loved the song and I kind of, I, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, well, no, I need to check this out someday. But I didn't really get around to it until probably my sophomore year in college. This was around 2004, I think. And um, yeah, so I, uh, as a, I was a music major then and uh, in college and just kind of, you know, fully immersing myself in that world and uh, found, I got the, finally got my hands on the original cast recording and listened to it to death. <laughs> it is a really catchy show it's not one of those shows that you kind of I, I would say it is one of those scores that you mm -hmm. like more and more the more you listen to it but it is also one of those ones yeah. where there there are songs in there that are definitely earworms that are definitely going to be stuck in your head just after one lesson mm -hmm. there's some there's some really really catchy stuff in there plus it's just stunning the orchestration really and we'll get in we'll get more into that later but the orchestration in this show is absolutely stunning i i would be cool with even just listening to an entire instrumental you know of this of this show just it's oh, absolutely yeah. stunning um stunning stuff going on in there um it's funny you say i i, I guessed for good for your for your <laughs> for your school situation because that was my school's senior song yes. was for, was for good mm -hmm. we're 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 pretty close to the same age so it was falling around like in high school is when this when the show came out um and uh my band our school band actually um we had a lot of theater it was weird we had a lot of theater people in band more so than theater people in choir mm -hmm. so our band actually went on a trip to chicago which was my first time seeing oh. it in chicago um and i was i was blown away and i listened to the music a bit beforehand but i and 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 seeing it was just i just i don't know i couldn't believe it and i have to i have to say i've seen the show seven times since mm. then <laughs> wow i've, I've only seen gotten to seven see it productions once. of it <laughs> i wish i had seen it. I, I want to see it more i've yeah. only seen it once well you I notice saw it. so much more every time you see yeah. it every time you see it i've seen it i've seen it eight times and i would go for a ninth time in a heartbeat <laughs> in a heartbeat oh, i am yeah, nowhere near sick of it it is absolutely one of those shows that you can just watch it over and over again. Yeah. Well, it there's is so much to catch in it. It's, yeah. Yeah. There really is. And um, it, there, it is also one of the few Broadway shows where I was actually fam more familiar with the source material mm -hmm. <laughs> before I watched it. Um, because I, had, I have read and very much enjoyed um, the book that the it book. is based on, Wicked, yes. by Gregory Maguire. Yes. It and is based on a book. And the book is, the book is dark. 
the book is very adult way darker (laughs) yeah there's definitely dark stuff in the musical here and there but overall i would Mm -hmm. say it's definitely family friendly unfortunately people then go and you know they'll bring their kids to wicked and the kids will like the songs and they'll like you know Mm -hmm. glinda who's so perky and cute and everything and be totally and 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 you know be totally like into it and let me say oh it's a book i want to read the book it's Mm -hmm. like don't read the book you're five no (laughs) (laughs) you can't read the book that is that is not that is not family friendly accessible reading for you <laughs> Maybe when you're in high school and you're older. <laughs> yeah, for our older listeners out there, we do recommend the book. It's it's great. It's just uh, if you're expecting it to be literally a book version of the musical, you will be disappointed. It is very much not. Yeah. Um, but it no. independently, it's it's a good read. Very much so. Yeah, they he Stephen Schwartz definitely took a lot of liberties in adapting mm-hmm. his source material, uh, which you know it's he, which he could because you know it's kind of open source with mm-hmm. uh, um, with the the original um, Wizard of Oz. The Wizard original of Wizard of Oz yeah. source material being. Um, I think it is open to the public. So I was going to say, Wizard of Oz, I believe, I think is it's a, public yeah, domain. Public domain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it is. Um, I know there are so many uh, spinoffs and parodies and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who haven't listened to other episodes, I run a, a small theater in Oconomowoc. I'm the artistic director there, so I go looking for you know shows for us to do and everything. So I'm on a lot of licensing sites. Um, Dramatic Publishing um, has an endless amount of Wizard of Oz typed type scripts, you know, involving involving Dorothy or Scarecrow, those characters. So um, I, I would say I certainly hope it's public domain because there's a lot of... <laughs> I'm honestly of surprised that people haven't done more plays based on the Oz books because there's not mm-hmm. just The Wizard of Oz. There are... There's a bunch of them, At least yeah. seven or eight different uh, books and... Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if you were a kid in like the late eighties and early nineties, if you watched the what yeah. was it, the Ozma of Oz or no, yes. what, was the, what was that? Oh, that uh, I watched the it. one with I, the wheelers. I, I watched and the it during quarantine. Trees. Actually, <laughs> it was like I was one of them was like, I think the Dorothy. Re- Dorothy Returns to Oz or Dorothy yes, Goes to Dorothy Oz? Yes, Dorothy Returns to Oz. Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Oh my gosh, it was so creepy. I watched it before bed and it was like, and it's not meant to be creepy. Mistake. It's just, just the production of it was just was just creepy. Yeah, because it, it sticks very closely to the books. Yes. And, um, which are slightly darker than, say, the, uh, uh, the I think it was MGM who did. The Wizard of Oz movie? I think so. I think so. Yes. Is that the one with the the lion? The lion in the intro? Yes. Yes. Okay, then yes. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's how I remember. That's how I remember. We're we're extremely Hollywood production teams. (laughs) What the logo is. But uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, that that is a reoccurring theme where um, Oz, the uh, adaptations of Oz are much lighter and fluffier than their book <laughs> counterparts. <laughs> but oh still God. excellent and very good. And uh, although I, uh, but even though they might be like a little bit darker, the original Oz books by Frank L. Baum, yes. I would absolutely recommend those to younger uh, Middle school, ele- older elementary school readers, yeah. they're fantastic and uh, very wild and wacky and um, really good. Oh, but uh, to get back onto the musical. <laughs> I, re- well, I realize, and I realize now, we, we probably should have delved into a little bit more of the plot, just in case we do have some listeners yeah. who are not familiar. Wicked is the story of Wizard of Oz, basically told by the um, Glinda the Good Witch and the Wicked Witch of the West. Wicked Witch of the West? 
Yeah, it's basically the background story of the Wicked Witch of the yeah, West. Yeah, it has a little bit of the the, the prequel uh, of mm-hmm. Wizard of Wizard of Oz and a little bit of aftermath of Wizard of Oz, and there is a little bits in there of what happened, what's basically happening behind the scenes while Dorothy, after Dorothy arrives to Oz and is like you know walking off, you know, looking for the wizard and all that stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff is happening between the Good Witch and the Bad Witch behind the scenes and we get to see yeah. that um so it's sort of the 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 it's one of the versions of the untold story of the wizard of oz um from a totally different perspective and uh i will i will say that um my and this is just my tradition but i do recommend other people doing it anyone who hasn't seen the musical but plans to watch the wizard of oz judy judy garland uh watch the wizard of oz before you go and watch the musical because especially if you haven't watched that movie in a really long time, as as a lot of us, you know, we've always watched it as kids, but then, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, you know, it's not on any of like the streaming oh, devices yeah. or anything. So I, I highly recommend watching that movie like a day or two before you go and watch the, the, the Broadway musical, because there is just so much more stuff that you'll, with having Wizard of Oz fresh in your head, going going to watch the musical and make you go, Oh my gosh, really that? Like I for me that is super super fun to do even though I've seen it 8 times. I have I I always watch Wizard of Oz the day before I go because I because I love the connections that are there. I love I love seeing, you know, like it still gives me chills some of the stuff and I won't I, I won't put in a, a whole ton of spoilers um unless we say spoiler alert, but <laughs> to avoid spoilers, there's there's a lot of stuff in there that if you actually really catch the connection of what's going on between Wizard of Oz, what we see in Wizard of Oz and what we see in Wicked, it it's chilling. Like it's Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of really cool little Easter eggs and whatnot. Yes, so the people yes, who yes, are yes. paying attention and big fans and who Easter have, eggs is a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 But they're they're brilliant. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the cast. Okay. So, um, original cast, Adina Menzel, yes. Kristen Chenoweth, uh-huh. um, yes. Norbert Leo Butts, Joel Gray. Those are, those are my personal favorites. Um, but we also have, <laughs> uh, Michelle Federer as Nessa Rose, Carol Shelley as Madame Morrible, um, and John Horton as Dr. Dillament. I was not familiar with him before, mm-hmm. um, before Wicked. Um, but the, the fun thing about, um, about this cast, about this show, you know, usually you got the, the original cast, which is like, oh my gosh, and then it's followed by kind of, I don't know, I mean, nothing ever compares to the original cast usually, no, but it's like, yeah. this, especially, this show, there were some really... Adina, yeah, especially Adina Menzel and yes. Kristen Chenoweth, like... Right, they right. set the mold, and it's you can't really break it. Well, they're so they, make, they created such iconic characters, and they're so they're so distinctive. Um, yes, and uh, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. The uh, obviously, I mean, I loved every Alphaba and 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 Glinda I saw, and all the productions mm. I saw. Um, I got to see Anna Gasteyer um, play oh, Alphaba, which was amazing. Um, uh, Jessica Vosk was the was the one I saw in the last time I saw Wicked. Um, was I saw Jessica Vosk and she was, oh, she was so different, but I, but mm-hmm. I, but I liked it. I liked it. Um, this cast was followed by more brilliant, more brilliant cast, which was really fun. Oh, um, yeah. Megan Hilty as. Oh my God, I would have killed to see her I as Glenda. 
die. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Megan Hilty is a goddess. I love Megan Hilty. She is. She's amazing. Yes. I think I've mentioned her on a on an episode or two before, but I would absolutely do an entire episode just about my love for Megan Hilty and totally creep yeah. her out if she ever heard it. But I don't care. Oh that's, yeah. That's like just, just how I feel. Just how I feel. <laughs> Justice for her character Ivy on on Smash <laughs> on Smash because it's one of those things from like day one you're like going how is this how a competition is like how <laughs> is this like, competition right where where's the where the, there's no drama in this nope. <laughs> it's that there's she a, clearly deserves of, the role <laughs> such an element of unrealisticness going on I mean, like, and I love you know, and I. I love Catherine McPhee. Yeah, but it I was like, God bless Catherine McPhee, but like, ugh. yeah, she's a totally different type of totally different type of talent, totally yeah. different type of talent, and and yeah, I will. We should do an episode on Smash. Anyway, oh, we uh, absolutely should. <laughs> but uh, Megan Hilty as as and Glinda, when you finally get around to watching it, we should do one on Galavant too. Yes, Galavant. Even though I've been after you for years to watch it, you have. She has. Too, it's that. true. It's true. Maybe we would spin off spin off podcast of TV show uh, musicals. Um, <laughs> uh, Eden Espinosa was another one of the what was another one of the uh, alphabets. Uh, she's mm-hmm. another she's another big one where it's just like oh my gosh that would have been that would have been mm-hmm. absolutely uh, amazing. I would have loved to see they did not perform together. Um, Stephanie J. Block as Alphaba to Kendra mm-hmm. Kassebaum's Glinda. Um, yeah. I would have loved to see. Uh, Stephanie J. Block with Megan Hilty. I think that would have been a really yeah. cool dynamic. I'm sure Megan Hilty and Eden Espinosa. I did not see their production yeah, was, together, I, but I was about to say when I was working up my Dreamcast version of this, uh-huh. like it was hard to pick. So <laughs> it's yes. hard to pick people without you know uh, resorting to the list of extremely talented actors who've already played these roles. Who've already done like, it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because you would like, think you'd pick. Uh, like Eden Espinosa, Stephanie J. Block. It's like, yeah. oh wait, they already did it. <laughs> like, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So the and the interesting and I think what makes it difficult is that um, and this has also been touched on a little bit in a prior episode. Um, Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, neither of their voices are mass produced. Mm-hmm. Both of their voices are just so distinctive. Joe Joe Gray's too. It's so so distinctive that you hear five notes from them and you know who they are. Yes. Whereas whereas uh I, I use I use her as an example. I, I love her. I think she's gorgeous, gorgeous person, gorgeous singer, very talented. But Laura Osnes, mm-hmm. I love her and I lo- and I think she's extremely, extremely talented, but she kind of sounds like every ingenue ever. Like yeah, every every necessarily... ingenue belcher who has ever step stage on Broadway. Yeah, yeah they have a very yeah. uh not necessarily I mean beautiful voice, gorgeous Absolutely. control, gorgeous technique. Mm-hmm. But like there's yeah, nothing they, distinctive about her. No. You wouldn't necessarily be able to pick her out mm-hmm. among the other ingenues. Whereas, whereas Adina Menzel and Kristen yeah. Chenoweth, it's like nobody sounds like them. Nobody, no. nobody, especially, nobody sounds like them. Yeah, especially Kristen Chenoweth. Like mm-hmm. her type of soprano is incredibly rare on Broadway nowadays. Mostly just it's because crazy. it's a belter's paradise right now. Mm-hmm. Especially as we do more as as uh, pop culture keeps leaking it's all through. Yeah. Yep. There's a uh, soprano museum where where Audra, where Audra McDonald. I'm stealing this from uh, from Laura Benanti. She talked about the soprano museum where they have where they have Kristen Chenoweth and they have and they have Audra McDonald and and there's this little girl there and she's like, what is that strange sound, mother? And the mother goes, oh, once once upon a time there was this beautiful thing called head voice. <laughs> 
what is this foreign sound? <laughs> and it's true because, yeah, like you said, as as Broadway musicals continue to be less traditional and more contemporary mm-hmm. and more rockish and popish, yeah, it's it's a Belters it's a Belters Broadway right now. Like it, it really, really is. is. Yeah. And and Lindsay as a gorgeous soprano uh, is sad. <laughs> it <laughs> is meanwhile, sad. The Thank you. Over here is like, yeah, more rules for me. <laughs> I mean, of course, I may be a soprano, but um, I've uh, you know, grass is greener on the other side, and I really wish I could <laughs> sure. uh, belt belt well and belt high. I mean, I oh, can sure. belt up to a certain place, but not too. I no, have same. to cheat. I mix a lot. <laughs> same. No, and, and same. And I I hear like these like a Kristen Chenoweth, you know, like stuff she does and everything, and it's like. Gosh, I can do that, but my sound is not skinny. My sound is not Mm-mm. is not that that that. I want to say spark. I want to call it sparkly. I don't know that sparkly. She sound. is. She is a stereotypical coloratura. She is. Yes. Uh, she is absolutely um, a, a very a light soubrette kind of uh, yeah. coloratura, and that is even rarer in mm-hmm. Broadway because most most. Uh, uh, most uh, sopranos in Broadway have a uh, richer tone, kind of you know, like Audrey McDonald. Mm-hmm. She's Audrey more McDonald's of a, so she's a, a little bit like she's like a dramatic lyric, I think, or maybe uh-huh. um, uh, I, I'm. I'm uh, I can't remember my classical voice. <laughs> no, I think, so I'm, I think the my, lyric I mean, I think soprano. She's a, yeah, she's a, she's a lyric, but yeah. she's also dramatic because she's got that heft and um, rich tone to her voice. It's a and it's a darker color of a tone mm-hmm. too. Kristen Chenoweth's color, and this gets always back to what I said about her voice. Like when she when she sings high, it's a very mm-hmm. thin tone yeah, yes. and it's a much much lighter lighter color yes which yeah that, and that's that very culture. silvery so, very sparkly and it is and it is rare which why which mm-hmm. you know come yeah because like circle, laura bonatti really she's like her. yeah like laura bonatti she's she's mm-hmm. also soprano she's probably i would say straight lyric she mm-hmm. doesn't quite have that bubbly bouncy quality that yeah um, krista chenoweth does and yes. and she's uh, and her voice is just so high, it's ridiculous. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> like, uh, I remember, like, the, as much as I absolutely ha- loved the little snatches that I've seen of her as um, Glenda from extremely <laughs> legal <laughs> sources, uh, my, one of my favorite performances uh, from her has probably... Um, her version of Glitter and Be Gay. Yes. From, <laughs> from oh PBS's Great Performances. Oh, my God. You guys, stop listening to our podcast episode right now. Put us on pause <laughs> and go YouTube this. <laughs> yes. It is It is a master class in just uh, such good com- uh, comedic performance, amazing timing, v- and just vocal gymnastics. It, yes. She blasts the roof off of that song. It is, it is difficult. It is one of the more difficult soprano songs in the uh, Broadway world repertoire and she just so, knocks it out of the park and so so then a then a follow-up to that obviously having to follow these these amazing amazing singers tell me about your dream cast who did you <laughs> like do you do you, do you have one because I I, I, do. I don't have a full I don't have a full dream cast I have I have a couple a couple that I would like to play around with but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and, and I, I gotta got- check and make sure it hasn't been done yet yeah, it's like okay, if 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 I got to be God, I mean di- director, uh, <laughs> and some of this is me bending a little bit of the laws of time and space a bit. But oh sure, um, for Alphaba, I would love. I know uh, for for Alphaba's for Alphaba, she has this um, kind of journey of you know being the one who's always on the outside in and whatnot. 
And Broadway hasn't really done a lot with that. They've generally cast very, you know, able-bodied white <laughs> brunettes, mm -hmm. essentially. Or mm -hmm. not brunettes and just, you know, throwing a wig on them. And yeah. uh, who... Uh, and there's that who who basically like you know they use the skin tone of being green to kind of stand mm -hmm. in for that differences. I would love to see one. I'd love to see an actress of color do it. Mm -hmm. I would also like to see um, an actress of size do it. Um, and one person who I would love to see as Elphaba is Bonnie Mulligan. She is her otherwise known as Belting Bonnie. Look her up on yeah. uh, Instagram. She's fantastic. She's hilarious. That's. Fun. And uh, she she was in uh, Head Over Heels. Uh -huh. um, what, uh, that I think that, that was a uh, it was kind of a jukebox musical that was hilarious and really cute and got a lot of really good reviews. Uh -huh. uh, but anyways, I would love to see her as Elphaba. Nice. Uh, in my Hollywood stunt casting, I would like to see <laughs> uh, Galinda uh, played by Anna Kendrick. I think she would oh, bring really interesting energy that she's also got that very light. Uh, the problem with casting a Glinda is uh, Christian Chenoweth's voice is that 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 role as a soprano is it's difficult. It's higher. It's complicated. It's it complicated. Is a complicated character. It's a complicated voice, and it's, you have to have a lot of range to do it because there are some parts where she's like in, in for good. She's taking the low harmony. She is. <laughs> with yeah. Stuff. And yeah. um, and then she's you know she has her big interest where, entrance where she is you know singing way up in the stratosphere with a bunch mm -hmm. of you know color tour runs and the song "Thank Goodness," which I believe mm -hmm. is the Act Two, the Act Two opener. Yeah. Thank goodness. She is she is belting and sparkly high soprano stuff back and forth all over yep. throughout that song. I sing yep. that song usually as a um part as part of like after I'm warmed up to warm mm -hmm. myself up energy wise because it yeah. opens up all my registers because it's mm -hmm. all over the place. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And Anna, but I think Anna Kendrick, I think Anna Kendrick can do that. I know yeah. a lot of people are like, and I know she does know, have a Broadway background with her, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. I think she would bring a very interesting energy because she can also be she can be pretty warm, but she. Can can also be you know sassy sa very sassy yeah we'll mm -hmm. put the, um, PG I think term she would that. do well with when with uh, Galinda's Galinda's snobbier side yes, but it's especially nice, with popular it's nice to she see me isn't it, it. <laughs> yes. yeah. and I think she would have she'd bring a little bit of an edge to the character which I think is a good because, yeah. could, because if if Galinda doesn't have that edge to her there's not much of a character change. If right, she's just right. bubbly and kind of an airhead, there's not much of a character arc there by the end of the musical. But if there's a teensy bit of an edge there, yeah. then I think that would make that much more interesting. Absolutely. Or Who's your Fiero? Jeremy Jordan. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Because. <laughs> I was like, oh my yeah. God, I thought I could not think of anyone else. I'm like going, how has he not played it? How has he not well, played Fiero? And my, and my, uh, I'm just checking here to make sure, yeah, my Fiero, it's, it's the same, it's the same as Jeremy Jordan. It's very much, how has he not done this part? How? Yeah. Because my Fiero is Jonathan Groff. Really? He's never played it? I Are you know. Really? I'm, really? I'm looking right now. Norba Leo Butts, Derek Williams, Christopher Cus, I don't know how to say it's the last name, Christopher Cusack, Adam yeah. Garcia. Uh, then Christopher. Not Christopher even again. in one of like the touring uh, regional shows. Mm -mm. Not that I, none that I see. None that I see. 
Makes no sense, Adam Lam- right? Because I know Adam Lambert did, and was he on that list? Adam Lambert. Let me check. Oh, wait. Here's another one. Uh, uh, Ashley Parker, Sebastian Richard, Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs? When did Tay Diggs play Fierro? I know, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm in love with that. <laughs> well, especially since at the time, I think he and Dina Menzel were still married. Uh, I have a mad crush on Tay Diggs, so pretty much Tay Diggs can, <laughs> Tay Diggs can do Tay Diggs can do whatever he wants. Um, on or off stage. West End replacements. <laughs> no, I and I will I will triple check during our break, but I'm looking yeah. at all the casts here, and I do not see him. He must have, but I I, I feel like he's played it. Yeah. So I don't know if because he's that... got the right energy for Fierro. Like you have to kind of have that bouncy boyish. Yeah. A little bit of a, you know, devil-may-care attitude to it, and both of them, I think, would be amazing yeah, at that. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think so. Um, listen, tell me one more on your Dreamcast, okay. and then we're going to take a take a short break here. Okay. Uh, this is this is the one where I'm slightly bending the laws of time and space. <laughs> I, I want Tim Curry as my wizard. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Make it happen. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love, I love that. You guys, Lindsay is a brilliant casting director. Oh my gosh. Seriously. I love that. Okay. Because he is that, he's that perfect, like slightly menacing con man air. Like he, he has the, he can be, you know, the bouncing, hilarious, super charming. And he just has that slight dark streak in him that would just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be yeah. just perfect for that role. And Bending Laws of Time is okay. In the in the last episode, uh, we were discussing Bye Bye Birdie, and uh, I talked about uh, Nathan Lane, how I'd want him to play um, Albert or also uh, the dad, Mr. McAfee. And it's like, well, obviously one of those would work, and one of those, one, one, one would have worked, you know, 15, 20 years ago, and one would work now. So, you know, playing with the mm-hmm. laws of, I mean, these are dream casts. We can, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. But, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Tim Kerr, oh my gosh, I love that. Um, well, okay, well, on that note, I'm going to go and literally dream about this cast while we take a short break here. A uh, quick short break uh, after this word from our friends over at 6.5 Media. Hey, this is TC. And this is Jim from the Studio Demands It podcast. Where every episode we take a demand from a hypothetical studio. Which could be you. And challenge ourselves to conceptualize, pitch, and craft a film based on the stipulations. Or the demands. We are given. We talk about movies all the time. Particularly, we complain about the choices made in the films we've seen. We're nerds like that. And, of course, like any good nerd does, we automatically assume that we could do better. Even with the demands and restrictions that clearly must have been put on by a production. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com and listen to our previous library of episodes. Our library of previous episodes. Our precious library, Jim. <laughs> our library of precious episodes. <laughs> You're a pirate Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So head on over to studiodemandsit.com to listen to our library of episodes. And submit your demand for a future episode, too. So go do that. Okay, bye. Okay, end of ad. Hi there, I'm David. And I'm Kate. And we're the hosts of another Zelda podcast. There are so many good podcasts out there, and some of them in particular concern The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's right, Kate, and we are another one of them. we That is actually the name of our show, Another yes. Zelda Podcast. And in our show in particular, we talk about some of our favorite dungeons, characters, boss battles. We have top ten lists. Yeah, we do deep dives on game design and production aspects of the different Zelda games. And we talk about our own experiences. We do some review episodes, talk about 
about our challenges, our struggles, and our victories. That's right. You know, really just almost anything that has to do with Zelda, we like to talk about it. A new episode comes out every other Friday, and you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and YouTube. And you can also check out our episodes on our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com. That's right. All right, we will see you there. Okay, bye! back. I hope you enjoyed intermission. Lindsay, how was your intermission? Did you go to Wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grabbed a couple snacks, a few drinks. Grabbed it's a fine. couple snacks, <laughs> butter. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, I think it's a good time for some fun facts about the show. Now, usually I have a bunch, but um, Lindsay here did her homework for this episode. <laughs> so I'm going to hand it on over to her for some fun stuff, uh, fun facts about, about Wicked the Musical. Lindsay, what did you find out? What did you find? I found out um, several interesting things. Uh, first of all, that um, this is an incredibly tech-heavy show, as I'm sure we're going to um, discuss no. later on. Yeah, right. <laughs> what? This show? What? What? It literally takes place in a fictional magical exactly. place. So uh, yeah. to make it that fictional magical place, it takes uh, the amount of p- per performance, it takes the amount of power it would take to uh, p- to power 12 households every night. Wow. That's how much electricity <laughs> it takes to run that show. And we wonder uh, why Broadway tickets are so expensive. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and on that, they also have to pay for 250 pounds of dry ice per performance to make all those stunning, foggy, dramatic entrances for Alphava, which is a lot of dry ice. That is a lot of dry ice. <laughs> There's so much dry ice. So That's probably one ice. person's job to just do the dry ice. Yeah, to babysit the dry ice. <laughs> like that would be my full-time job is the dry ice person for Wicked the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they ab- wow. they probably absolutely do have that. They can absolutely afford that by now. <laughs> like yeah. every little thing has their own personal job. Uh, also, um, for. Th- like we earlier on in the podcast, we were talking about Easter eggs for people mm-hmm. who have uh, watched the uh, the movie Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Schwartz placed a little a little bit of Easter egg in the music. He put the first seven notes of somewhere over over the rainbow in the unlimited limited theme, and uh, he did that. He it's uh, a little difficult to hear. You kind of have to be a little bit more of a. Um, trained ear to hear it because mm-hmm. the rhythm is totally different mm-hmm. and the, the chords yeah yeah and the chords underneath are different but those notes are there and um, it is specifically only the first seven notes because if there is eight notes you get sued for plagiarism <laughs> and copyright infringement but Simpsons seven does that constantly yeah. is like the king of and I've just noticed <laughs> this with so many episodes of Sim- Simpsons they are the king of of putting in just the right amount of notes to yeah. stop to not have to pay for, to not have to pay for the royalties <laughs> for it. They did they did them that with so many songs where it's like, wait, one more note and we have to pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then uh, the most fun fact personally that I think is that the song Define Gravity has been played in outer space multiple <laughs> times. <laughs> Oh, that is the most appropriate thing I've ever heard in my life. Define gravity that astronauts yeah. listen to. So what what's mm-hmm. the how do they hear it? Like why is it played? 
Well, uh, apparently astronauts are not only um, nerds, but they're geeks too. So um, <laughs> they, they think it's funny to uh, play uh, for NASA to play um, define gravity as their wake up call. As their morning. As their wake up call. That is so cute. I think that that's so cute. cute. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's adorable. I feel like. And no, it's a I'm request. Not... It's not something that like, oh my God, they're doing it again. Like, it's just ugh. so, that is so cute and perfect. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, real quick, back to the dry ice thing. Um, mm-hmm. While you were sharing that fun fact, I, I just decided because how many, how many, how much dry ice was it per performance? 250 pounds. Two, okay, so guys, 250 pounds of dry ice per performance. There have been 6,836 performances oh of Wicked. <laughs> so that's that just, is a lot of dry ice. I'm that not doing that. I'm not doing that math, ice. even though I have a calculator right in front of me. <laughs> I, that's insane. I love. Oh my gosh. That's over crazy. a million. I think. Yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, that's over a million pounds of dry wow. ice. Wow. Oh my gosh. Does, well, the, not anymore. The dry ice should have a credit. Does, does the dry ice have a credit in the playbill? <laughs> It should, have, it, should. It, should, it should have its own credit. It should have its own bio <laughs> in the playbook. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, all right, so uh, we talked, we, we've tiptoed a, a little bit around this. The tech aspects of the show. So oh, yeah. as we've said, uh, you know, Wicked is not available for licensing yet. Um, mm-hmm. Someday. And I, I always wonder who's, we're in, we're in Milwaukee over here, Milwaukee and surrounding yeah. areas. And I always wonder who, which theater is going to be the first to <laughs> do it when those rights whoever come can out. Ha- whoever can afford the hydraulics. Because I, the original right? budget, the original budget for this was $14 million. And that was back in the early 2000s. And it's more, and so it's going to be more now. Well, I can't imagine what even just the license cost. Uh, for those of you not familiar oh, God, with yeah. uh, with how licensing works, it costs thousands. You know, even for a small theater like mine, a fifty seat theater, our licenses usually cost anywhere from one thousand to to thirty five hundred dollars, depending on how popular or non popular the show is. Um, and that's for a tiny little theater. And the more seats you have, the the higher that that cost is. And mm-hmm. that license cost. Um, a lot of people don't know that license cost. It's not for your whole show, your whole production, everything that goes into that, making that production happen. It is no. just for the piece of paper and the script. That's it. Yep. That's, that's all it. that's included in that thousands and thousands of dollars for a piece of paper. And so I can't, I mean, when I'm thinking about like what our license cost was for like, for example, Susical, and and then I think when Wicked finally becomes available, and it's like, I cannot imagine what that license cost is going to be. It's going to be insane. It's going to be insane, but, but, like, it's going to be one of those shows like Mamma Mia when the, when the rights finally got released to everyone's community gonna be theaters. Doing it. And everyone's going to be doing it. You're going to not and, be able to turn left without seeing a production of it going on somewhere. And, well, and not only that, but it's regardless of everyone doing it, it's gonna sell out every single show yep. before it even opens. Right, like it's a it's one of those. It's gonna be the new sound of music, the, mm-hmm. which most people, which a, which a lot of people in the theater world call the sound of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because it's one of the few musicals that everyone knows, everyone yep. loves. They're like, oh, I'll go see that, and mm-hmm. so you get a lot of people who. To come to the theater who are maybe not the, uh, you know, hardcore Broadway aficionados. Yeah. Who won't justify the cost of a Broadway ticket. Yeah. 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 
or or even just a regular theater ticket that'll mm-hmm. actually get them in because they're familiar with it they know it yeah. and they're like yeah sure i'll spend a couple of hours you know suspending my disbelief that i'm in the, the austrian <laughs> alps for a few, so, for a few hours so they with obviously i mean tech aspects all over the place in, in wicked mm-hmm. um I'm I'm thinking about you know uh, I think it was about a maybe a year maybe two years ago when every mm. theater and every theater's mom was doing Mary Poppins yes and obviously the big thing in that show is are you going to fly your Mary mm-hmm. Poppins and because yep. some theaters were some theaters were working around it and some theaters were were you know paying that extra God no God knows how much extra yeah. for the fly to rig up a fly system to fly her in and mm-hmm. and it was just crazy because like i feel like every theater was doing mary but like we haven't mm-hmm. done mary poppins and and it was and that's one of the reasons because like it's just being done everywhere um yeah. but also we haven't worked out you know our our fly system yet we had one <laughs> we had one fly system at my cute little black box theater we had one fly system when we did willy wonka and we flew our oh, Charlie and Grandpa Joe. <laughs> and it was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. In the pictures, the way the pictures turned out, you cannot see their halter underneath their, show, underneath their shirt and the rope that's pulling them up. You can't see it in the pictures. But in real life, I mean, yeah. I won't complain about it because it was like, we flew them, we got them in the air, they were dangling we in the air. They and, absolutely were. And Charlie, who was little, who was, we had a really little Charlie, she went up, she went up really, she was up and our ceilings are tall, she was up, she was able to touch the lights, like, she was really high up there. It's like, so it was def. it still definitely goes down as one of like the coolest things, you know, we've mm-hmm. done tech-wise, tech but also I'm thinking one about... one of the most accidentally hilarious things ex- with Yeah, our, absolutely, absolutely. With our Joe. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, our Grandpa Joe, who was, you know, obviously like three times the size of our Charlie, because our Charlie was a little kid, getting him up there as high as, it was just, it was... It was fun. It was fun. I will say, though, that because that scene, when you're flying those actors, it can be comical, and it works to be comical, mm-hmm. um, versus the end of Act 1 yes. in Wicked, when Alphaba is flying for the first yeah, time. Like, you can't talk about how tech-heavy the show is without talking about that hell yeah. of an act-ender Defying Gravity. That's still, I mean, and I, I don't know. I mean, obviously Wicked's probably in my top five favorite musicals of all time, but that act one closer. Mm. I mean, people I were talking about it. I every time and it. I've listened to it hundreds and hundreds of times. <laughs> I, I lost my mind the first time I saw that and that act yeah. one closer. I was like, I can't believe there's more to this show. I can't believe that was not the finale of the yeah. world. Like, I, 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 I couldn't believe like, it. I still tear up a little bit when listening to it. Like, even just in my car, singing along, where I'm singing yeah. both parts, because obviously... <laughs> oh, I can't do it without, without, without picturing it. And even though yeah. my, my jam from the show is Wizard and I, more so mm-hmm. than Defying Gravity, just because it's an easier, like, solo yeah. as opposed to Defying Gravity, which has a lot of chorus in it. It has a lot yeah. of ensemble in it. It has some, some Glinda stuff in there. But, mm-hmm. but Defying Gravity, as that act one closer with her you know on that fly system it's just and that just all the tech around the the light the lighting effects and everything yeah it's that sort of thing where i'm thinking about the way we flew charlie and grandpa joe would not work no <laughs> it would probably no, no, not no, no. work for yeah women. like it would completely ruin like because our Maybe grandpa joe it wasn't yeah with our grandpa joe the would. problem yeah the <laughs> 
With our Grandpa Joe, the problem wasn't that um, it wasn't really getting him up in the air. It was keeping him still and facing forward. And facing forward. And I was like, can you imagine if we had, if we used the same system, yeah. we used the same system for Alphaba, and she's flying up in the air, and her she keeps getting twisted and facing yeah. away from the audience during this insanely pivotal heart melting exciting like oh my gosh i can't even i can't so yeah you would need a legit the entire moment but it would be hilarious as an audience (laughs) like i said we'll save it for the parody for the parody um but for a theater with a bigger budget than my cute little than my cute little black box children's theater um for for what for you know first stage or skylight milwaukee rep then those theaters who actually have you know that little that little thing called a budget um you know, a budget more than like five bucks. Um, they, they, I'm sure they would do well um, with a legit fly system for that show. Um, there's also the dweller uh, on tech elements. There's also the um, the Emerald City scene when when yes. Linda and Alpha yeah. first go to the Emerald City, and how many green. <laughs> I did not know there were that many shades of green that yeah. could be produced on a stage. When I saw yeah. I was like, I was blown away. And and my favorite color is pink, but this was the most impressed <laughs> I've ever been with a color that wasn't pink. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and I mean and all going off of budget, the costume. <laughs> yeah. The costume requirements that you would have for this. You mm-hmm. it is definitely one of those, um, like off the top of my head, it's like similar to the producers where mm-hmm. the uh, ensemble has so many costume oh changes. So many it's costume changes. It's a busy changes. ensemble in this show. They're, yeah, it's a very they're... busy ensemble. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely one of those where the uh, the ensemble is the unsung hero of that yes. show, particularly with all the choral arrangements that are just that are it's just not amazing. an easy score to sing it, oh it is not it is no. not oh. I, I have uh i pref- i've um performed in some of the, as uh, some of the choral stuff when i was uh, doing a cab uh, doing a cabaret um that was a we called it a feast of stevens we did stuff by both um steven schwartz and steven sondheim and yes. obviously the wicked finale yeah. <laughs> was one of the ones that we did mm-hmm. and um but it was it was super fun singing that just like it's it's amazing to hear it. It's even more fun to sing it, That's especially amazing. if you get to sing some of the uh, the really high notes with the wicked. Yeah. Yes. So it is oh, that just chord. Yes. yes. That, that la- those last chords just like mm, you're like well, yes. That, that opens the show too, right? <laughs> yes. Am I, it does. am I correct on that? It's the opener correct. and closer. Those same mm-hmm. those same chords, and it is yeah. a. Um, I don't know what I don't know what the chord would be called off the top of my head. You're more the music theory person than me. I would, yeah, would I would have to look at it. It's probably like a ninth or eleventh or something along those it's lines. It's so one of those. Cool though. It is mm-hmm. such a cool it is such a cool sound. Um no wonder they open and close the show with it. Um yeah. but yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's cra- it's crazy to me the the tech elements needed and what kind of budget oh, you would yeah. need for this show when it when it finally does become available um uh, not 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 to mention even just other production aspects of it for example the i mean obviously a cast you know it's a, those two leading ladies um mm-hmm. and uh they don't they don't need to dance much in the show so i won't say you need two triple threat ladies but they're so specific to the character no. Um, there, that's such specific needs vocally, um, and, and such specific needs character, character development wise and character depth wise, um, that you need. Um, and not to mention, like you said, the ensemble, the ensemble is a very heavy ensemble show. Um, and they have a lot of, a lot of 
they had a lot of work to do. And then the, yeah. uh, what's the it's monkey's m- name? There's the, the monkey oh. character. Oh, um, Chick Chickory, I think his name is. Yes. Um, and you need, you practically need a, uh, Someone with circus experience, someone mm-hmm. with acrobatic expe- ac- acrobatic yes. experience for that character. It's it's extremely extremely physical, and mm-hmm. um, so you need a whole bunch of people with all these like outside yeah. talents. <laughs> I mean, the one yeah, the one thing is, is very much like Pippin in that way, which yeah. <laughs> surprise another Stephen Schwartz. One. Another Stephen Schwartz. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, it's I will say the one nice I guess nice put that in quotation marks thing about it is that it is not a dance heavy show it is more mm-hmm. of a stageography type show yes and um so yeah there's not there's not a whole lot of dancing but it's something that uh really you don't super miss it a bunch like you don't really notice you it. don't like, notice the, it no because uh, it's like oh yeah now that I think about it there's not really that much there wasn't really that much you know da- dancing dancing through like, life has yeah. like one break and it's actually mm-hmm. it's a lot of partner dancing so it's not yeah. even like but there's no like there's no you know and like in chorus line or anything goes mm-hmm. uh you know things like that where there's like this notable dance break mm-hmm. that happens a handful of times or even or right. even once or twice through the musical um it's not known for its for its dancing right. or it's its like this isn't a this isn't a fossey production right right <laughs> and, but that's you okay know. but like you said you don't yeah. you don't there is so much else to focus on oh god yeah so mm-hmm. much else um that you don't even notice it <laughs> yeah especially since like if you're someone who has only listened to um the uh original broadway cast recording or mm-hmm. any of the other cast recordings that have happened you do, you don't really get a full um, idea of what's going on. It's not a song through musical. It's not like Les Mis or Hamilton where you can just listen to the you know the recording and you have a really good idea of what's happening because it's on not stage. Sung what's the happening dramatically. Show. It is not sung the Seussical, entire show. Musical Hamilton mm-hmm. and Les Mis, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat uh, mm-hmm. are shows that are completely sung. There is no. Yes. There's not speaking. You don't speak. Yeah. Uh, Wicked has Wicked has brilliant, and if we have time to get, I don't know if we'll have time mm-hmm. to get to this in this episode, but if we do, there is some brilliant dialogue in this show. Oh, there really the songs, is. In between the songs, brilliant lines, like, oh yeah. my gosh. Yes, there absolutely are. And uh, I remember the first time I actually uh, got my hands on a copy of the script. Of course you did. <laughs> because I wanted to, of course I did. Okay, I say I'm resourceful. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I wanted to uh, to see what it was, uh, to kind of kind of get an idea of what was going on. And mm-hmm. um, and also because uh, I, I did this in college because um, I uh, grabbed a friend <laughs> and we, there was, uh, the college was having a talent show for um, groups. And of co- me being me, of course, was like, oh, uh, not thinking like, oh, it's just for bands and stuff like that. Who cares? So, like, I'm like... Oh, are you kidding me? No. You know what I should do? You know what I should do? I should absolutely perform Loathing with one of my friends. (laughs) (laughs) And stage it and everything. Of course. (laughs) Of course. But hey, you know what? We won third place, so... Nice. <laughs> of course you did. Of course, of course you did. that worked out. <laughs> it um, did work out, but uh, yeah, especially since we kind of revamped it, where uh, she wasn't. Uh, it was kind of uh, as a uh, we staged it as like two college roommates mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just. So uh, instead of being all in green, I played uh, Alphaba. Um, I was instead of being green, I was a punk. 
Nice. <laughs> kind of a goth punk. It type works on that song works on so many it like, really I does. like so many levels, but it's so accessible for a lot of different situations that mm-hmm. fit into a cabaret or fit into a review or even just out of context as like a solo act. Yeah. That it just it, really it just does. works because there's so much fun there's so much fun stuff going on in there. It's yeah. super, super fun. Um, it was super fun. So Steven Steven Schwartz, I know we t- we t- we talked about him briefly in the in the mm-hmm. in our in our intro. Um Stephen Schwartz uh, is responsible for Wicked, and and like yep. you said, hasn't done a whole lot since. Uh, understandably, Not, yeah, he's he's stuck more to doing um, animated mm-hmm. Disney musicals, essentially. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I, I mean, the thank goodness he blessed the world with yeah, yeah. It's like, and he blessed the world with Hunchback, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. and one of my favorites, Enchanted. That was oh. One of yes. my favorite movie experiences ever. It was just so happy and so nice. And mm-hmm. Amy Adams was just, oh, chef's kiss, amazing. It's yes. Just, oh. She would be cute, um, back to our little game of Dreamcast. <gasps> she would be yes. cute, actually, actually, as Nessa Rose. I would like to she see would, that. You know what? I also think she would make a good Galinda. Yeah, that too, that too. That's if she had, I don't know if she has the vocal range. That's why I mean, she certainly that's why has I put like it as Nessa. Yeah, like Nessa she has a little bit less of a vocal range uh, mm-hmm. need. She, yeah, she's got that light soubrette, but I don't know if she's a coloratura. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if like, and she's also, I think she's an actor, Hollywood actor who also knows mm-hmm. how to sing. I don't know mm-hmm. if she's necessarily got the training and and things like that behind her to handle Glinda, but I don't know. I have no yeah. idea. It might be just I think that no one's seen it. <laughs> she did a lot of theater in. Because uh, I think she's from Minnesota, and think she did a lot of regional theater okay. musical stuff there. So she's like That'd be interesting. Throw her on the Dreamcast. Dream, yeah, <laughs> throw her on the Dreamcast. I don't think we had a Nessa Rose on our on, on the Dreamcast that we talked about in, in the first act of this episode. So yeah. throw, let's throw her in there too. Um, but Stephen Schwartz, right? So um, I I. I was just reminding myself of some other, you know, items that he's done. And I was, I came across Hunchback and I was like, wait a minute, Hunchback. I was like, that was Alan Menken. But I forgot it was Alan Menken didn't do the lyrics. Um, So, um, but I I mean, I like that. I like that Mm -hmm. team of Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz. Um, Because Stephen Schwartz is a wonderful, is a wonderful lyricist. Um, Mm -hmm. The uh, Enchanted, and then his two other big Broadway shows before Wicked were Pippin and um, Godspell. Yep. Yep. Um, he is he is interesting as a composer because he because like Godspell is stylistically nothing. Like and that's what I yeah wicked. that's what we like to discuss with these composers. So we have you know things like like um, uh, Stephen Sondheim. He's definitely got his style. Like you hear mm-hmm. you hear oh, yeah. a little bit of you a song know, and you know you know what's doing. Uh, Jason Robert Brown also very 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 mm-hmm. very specific style. John Williams, I know not a not a theater composer. He's a yeah. movie movie score composer, but you know Jurassic Park and 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 Harry Potter and uh, uh, Star, Star Wars. Wars all kind of all I, I <laughs> the movies you have never seen <laughs> the Star Wars. I knew the Star Wars. I haven't seen the movies, but I love the score to those movies. I will say, um, <sighs> but all these composers have a. Uh, they they have a specific style, and it's not a bad thing. It's what keeps them recognizable. No. Not to say all the songs sound the same. It's not that they sound the same. It's just no, the style. Just, yeah, yeah. The, the the style, instrumentation use, mm-hmm. um, certain like little motifs that they'll recycle. Yeah. Um, so do you hear progressions that sort of stuff? You know what I was thinking it about it. Kind of, you can like more so with Pippin, I think, mm-hmm. and I think Pippin's the uh, 
the closest that I think. And also, like, you know, Pocahontas and some of that stuff. Like, you can kind of hear it more in his lyrical stuff. Like, mm-hmm. he also did Children of Eden, which I have done a, a little bit of. I did, um, I think, I uh, in the Feast of Stevens um, cabaret thing that I did, I performed, uh, I think, the uh, title song from that, okay. Children of Eden, mm-hmm. which is a big uh, solo ensemble number. And... Um, yeah, it's it was one of those things where it's he is that is certainly much more simply simple music uh, musically, mm-hmm. and uh, you can see why it's kind of not it's very it's not done very often. It's not not that it's not good. It's yeah. just like it doesn't have that wow factor that yeah. that say uh, I think. I don't think there's a lot of commonality, like, besides, you know, being kind of more in the more sort of, like, modernish Broadway style between Stephen Schwartz's stuff. I think he experiments a lot with, um, and also it, it, it's, what's interesting to me is how long he takes in between his musicals, like, um, oh, yeah. because Gospel was done in 1971. Yeah. And, uh. And Pippin... And- Pippin was in was was that in the eighties or the early nineties? I was gonna say I think early nineties, and and I always think, and this is some there's something about the score of Wicked that always sounds modern and contemporary. Yes, um, there's something there's something very very something about it that always makes it still feel like a new musical. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. and cause I, I didn't even realize that. Like I thought about, you know, this, this came out in the early two thousands, like, you know, in high school and everything. Yeah. Um, like it was my favorite show when I was, you know, in high school. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, four or five years ago, I did a review with some of my students at, at the box theater. Um, and I put in a couple songs from Wicked thinking Mm -hmm. this one will be easy for them because they know this show because this isn't, because this is a newer musical. This isn't like, you know, Oklahoma or Cinderella or something, something old that they're not familiar with that came out before they were born or anything. Uh This is a new musical that they'll know. And the kids didn't know it. And it dawned on, and it didn't, and it dawned on me. It was like, I was like, wait. I'm thinking about this timeline. It's like, this came out in 2003. Yeah. And these mm-hmm. kids, you know, I'm thinking like five years ago, these kids were all like 12 and 13 years old. It's like, this is not a new musical to them. No. This is an old musical for them. And I'm like, well, first, of all, first of all, that made me feel super old. And I usually don't feel right. old. Like, I usually don't feel old. my grave and put it in my coffin. Like, oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I guess like I have it. It has not dawned on me, but Wicked is not a new musical. It's not a it new musical not. anymore. Even though nope. it sounds. It's, 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 it is 20. It's legit 20 years old. I think. Ew, yeah. I cannot <laughs> handle that. It's like, I feel like this musical has only been around for, for like five years. Tops. Tops. Like yeah. five years. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, because Pippin was very Fosse-esque. Yes. And it, not that that was a, it kind of in a, and very much like Chicago, I think. And it still had that typical Broadway musical sound which Mm -hmm. wicked i don't feel like wicked has that when i think that traditional broadway music sound i think rogers and hammerstein i think stuff like that that the golden the golden age of musicals exactly golden age of me thank you golden age of musicals and i feel like wicked is a little bit more towards legally blonde the musical Mm -hmm. and and things like that which are which are we're gearing more into like we like we talked about earlier yeah the rock rock pop 
kind of kind of songs uh more for belters yeah. like there are more belters than sopranos and things like that um yeah. which is what keeps it sounding so new i think mm -hmm. i think steven uh Steven Schwartz is also a composer who doesn't necessarily, who isn't necessarily super invested in creating his own distinct style like mm -hmm. um, Steven Sondheim is. He's more interested in following the trends because that's what he had, that's what he's oh, done. Essentially. Because uh, with, you know, uh, I think Pippin, I mean, Chicago is a little bit older, but Pippin, Pippin comes from that same vein. Same thing with Godspell, it's very similar to like hair. Yeah. And stuff like that, like stylistically and whatnot. And then um, he was a little bit more on the forefront with Wicked because I think that was the one where he was actually uh, a teensy bit more. Um, I mean, sure, sure there were other um, musicals that, you know, debuted around that time that had that kind of vocal stylings where they were incorporating a more, you know, belty contemporary mm -hmm. uh sound to it but um i think that's part of the reason why it still seems so new is because he, he was the beginning of that trend yeah. essentially wicked was the, i mean because i was looking at a list of a lot of the other uh shows that were on broadway at the moment and a lot of them were very classic broadway yeah like they were just like there I wasn't a lot of like rent modern was thrown in randomly fantastical, there, but yeah like, you know phantom of the opera obviously probably cats yeah. you know <laughs> but yeah. like as for i think it was one of the f first big um besides you know like the lion king on broadway but even mm -hmm. then like the lion king on broadway kind of just because well the puppets yeah sure it's family friendly because you know it's based off of disney yeah but it's also kind of with the way they have staged it with all those puppets and stuff there's a little bit of an, a more an adult aspect mm -hmm. to it as um you know to appreciate the theater craft of you know producing something like that yeah but um i don't like for example even though this isn't connected with Disney, I think this really opened the doors for Disney to be making all of these adaptations of their cartoons because I mean, yeah. <laughs> they realized something like really fantastical would sell. Like if Wicked hadn't have been such a huge hit, I don't know that we would have had as quickly, uh, you know, Frozen on Broadway or mm -hmm. even the new Harry Potter <laughs> But, yeah, that that which is not a musical, but the the fact that they that sort of thing would be something that people would want to see and that mm -hmm. they would flock to and that because I mean, Wicked was a huge hit, not only critically but also I mean it's still going on Broadway. There's right. a reason why you can't get the rights like we said, because they are still printing money this, <laughs> in Wisconsin yet because because <laughs> yeah, they are still printing money off of that right. and they're and. Um, so it's one of those things where, um, where yeah, they, it was it was kind of uh, one of the first of its kind, and um, so that I think that way that was the one way that it was uh, really quite innovative, and like you could see shades of um, you know influences from other composers too, like you can mm -hmm. almost say those chord structures that he did for the Oz stuff. Um, for the for the finale and for the um, intro, those really amazing minor chords, those you know are a little Sweeney Todd esque. They <laughs> are, of. yeah. And I think I I'd have to double check on this. Don't quote me on this. I'd have to double uh -huh. check on this. But I I feel like I have read it in an article that Schwartz does have inspirations that happen from Sondheim. Mm -hmm. Like that. I mean, well, who doesn't? Which, I was which, just gonna say like maybe I feel like this was an article for every composer ever. 
yeah, has inspirations from Sondheim that end up in their music. But I do specifically, I do specifically feel like I read that somewhere that there is mm-hmm. like Sondheim-esque things that happen in his music because yeah. he he is inspired by that style as well. And mm-hmm. while it won't be necessarily quite as complicated, yeah, um, no, and no, no. quite <laughs> as unique as Sondheim, um, but you do you do get a little bit of that, uh, yeah, in his in I his f- work sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like Sondheim is a composer whose work goes down deep. It's mm-hmm. a narrow it's narrow stylistically because it is more so just his own style yeah and um and he's not trying to keep up the the trends he's not trying to (laughs) you know to do anything he he is wanting to make musicals that sound exactly the way he wants them to sound yep um which is and, admirable. Which is admirable well, to not to not fall into to not fall into those trends. I mean, there's right. the reason why he's one of the modern godfathers of the American musical theater, right? And right. <laughs> uh, but I think that Stephen Swartz is more of a broad, wider composer to where he does kind of follow the trends, and it's one of those things where, and it's, I mean, you can say like I guess for your own. Uh, kind of uh you know praise as a composer mm-hmm. yeah maybe if you want more you know accolades for your own distinctive style sure you can go this you know Stephen Sondheim way but Stephen Schwartz has there's more also something there's more versatility, there's more, versatility. There. there's more versatility there and there's more it's also like you know it might be just more fun for him like when you know yeah. when you've done this sort of stuff you know I'm gonna try this. yeah exactly and um and so and I think especially I think that might be his um, ethos, especially since he's taken so he takes so long in between musicals. He's like when he's not going to do something <laughs> unless it really inspires him. Like apparently he uh, read the book Wicked by G- uh, Gregory um, McGuire on vacation <laughs> was like calling his agent in the middle. I was like, we need to get the rights for this immediately. Wow. And like it was kind of. Um, very similar to, you know, Lynn manuel Miranda with mm-hmm. the Ron uh, Chernoff, I think is his last name, uh, biography of Alexander Hamilton. Okay, and yeah. um, so uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, inspiration struck. And mm-hmm. now we have this amazing musical because of it. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, like, and uh, it, but it's, it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it's not like... It's not a musical where you would immediately be, um, there's a lightness to it that, Mm -hmm. you know, necessarily, it's not quite as complex. It doesn't really demand a lot, uh, from the, uh, from the ears of the uh, audience members, like Sondheim sometimes does. Yeah, I feel like this is a. It's a more. It's definitely a more approachable score for mm-hmm. a younger generation too. Yes. Um. Except, except for you know those rare theater nerds who have like an appreciation for, for those Sondheim scores where they mm-hmm. won't be turned. They won't be turned off by it because it's maybe not the most melodic thing they've ever yeah. heard or because it's simply saying like oh that sounds too hard to sing so therefore yeah. I don't like it yeah know? like if I was if I was going to try to baby step people into Sondheim this is actually one of the first ones I would recommend they listen to before going to like you know the Sweeney Todd's or oh, the, yeah. Yeah. um or Into the Woods just uh-huh. because um it has that kind of uh it, it's 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 basically kind of the junior version of it, yeah, sort of. Totally, totally. 
Totally. And uh, not and and I and I don't say that to like you know insult Steven Schwartz. No, 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 no. You're not a complex composer. No, it's transitional. It's transitional. And and there is, um, it has its own. It has its own merits, just as much as you know Sondheim stuff does. Yeah. And um, but yeah, so it's uh, but yeah, it's 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 just such a good show. And it's got so many great moments. Like, it's really hard to, like, you know, pick some of you know, your favorite moments, particularly with the songs where you're like, oh, I love that one. And I really love that it one. Is like, oh, those, my God, that one was so good, it, too. It is one of those scores. <laughs> and, and the songs are versatile enough that they all – there's almost some, some songs that don't even sound like they fit – in the same musical as some right. other ones. Stylistically, he does mm-hmm. go a little bit all over the place, but it still works. It still yeah. works as a musical, as someone who's seen the show a bunch of times, and as obviously both of us have like listened to the score from beginning yeah. to end a million times. It totally is 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 smooth as a smooth transition from each song, mm-hmm. but it, but it's still stylistically. There's very little filler. Yeah. There's very little filler songs, yeah. which usually as like, you know, a, a musical theater performer, that's the bane of yeah. our existence. Because exactly. they're boring and you don't want to learn them. <laughs> but there's uh, no, there's like, there's almost no filler songs in this. Like, no, there's it's, not. It's, it's a solid, it's a solid piece. And, and the, those of our listeners who are, who are somehow still listening to this episode, even if you haven't uh, seen Wicked <laughs> or listened to it. Um, stop listening to our episode and go listen to it. Um, but I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna need to to wrap it up for yep. for today on uh, our little discussion about Wicked. Uh, thank you, Lindsay, for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, we'll we'll plan on bringing you back for another show sometime. You mm-hmm. and I can powwow a little bit about some other shows that we both you know could talk for years about and uh, <laughs> and uh, and get together again. Um, before we get going, we'll just do um, some social stuff real quick. Um, for those of you who'd like to follow uh, me on uh, Instagram. I'm at A-L-L-I dot C-H-I-C Allie dot Chick. And if you'd like to follow uh, my theater on Facebook or Instagram, um, you can uh, find us on Instagram under the Box Theater Company. We're located in Oconomowoc. Feel free to Feel free to check us out. Lindsay, do you want to plug in any of your any of your Instagram? Anything like that? Don't you don't really have, have to. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> Lindsay doesn't yeah. want to get stalked by by yeah. any people. <laughs> no, I don't think I have any uh, any public ones anymore. But if I did, I would maybe next time. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's okay. Um, listen, thank you again so much for joining me, Lindsay, and thank you all for thank listening. You. And uh, that is our final bow and blackout and curtain.